Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another edition of the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. It's a little different today. <clears throat> oh, let me cough right there. <clears throat> I'm coughing again because I just took another COVID test. I'm in San Antonio. Ricky is in uh, his palatial estate somewhere in Southern California. I don't know which one he's at today. Uh, but today we're going to have a, a guest, somebody that you know really well, uh, Ricky. And it's the first time we've had somebody on who didn't get to the big leagues, but he's still a big leaguer right now. Manny Breda is pitching in Mexico and we were talking about who do we want as the next guest and I brought him up and you're like, that's right. He's got a great perspective. Why did we have to have Manny on today, Rick? I think the biggest thing is that it, it shows something different. I feel like this podcast has always had somebody that, that played in the big leagues or done it at the big league level or doing it at the big league level. And I was like, why don't we bring in something or someone that has a different perspective that has, that has tasted success here at in the American level, highest AAA, and now he's in Mexico in pretty much the big leagues playing for one of the most prestigious teams, if not the most prestigious team in Mexico in Culiacan, with the Culiacan Tomatero. Yeah. And I just kind of want to see, like, you know, what the, the, the process of, like, when do you decide that, you know what, I'm going to take – all my talents and just dedicate to playing over there because obviously your dream for everyone that's pitching here in the United States is to get to the big leagues. That didn't happen. At what point did he realize like, Hey, you know what? I gotta, maybe the money isn't right for me. I'm getting older. Maybe I'll go there. You know, now I have a day named after me every time I pitch every day, all that good stuff, you know? So it, it to me, it's, intriguing you've been talking about it for a while saying like we need something different a little different maybe just you know throw a little bit of a curveball right there yeah. a for everyone and i think this is the perfect guy to do it with yeah we, i uh, said this last week to you like we're the north american podcast of record because we, we controlled canada and newfoundland uh we got some people in mexico now uh shout out to all the the ladies in uh in the toronto blue jays organization um uh, what's their, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on their names right now, Rick. Uh, Marty, I, Michelle, Shannon, Steph, there's so many. Because I got to send them stickers. I have 10 stickers left, so I'm going to just send them to the Blue Jays uh, front office. Is that where I should send it, right? Because uh, I follow them on the Let's Go Ricky Roll uh, Instagram page, so I, I didn't want to get the names wrong. But I'm going to send the stickers to you, and I actually sent out a bunch of stickers last week. So today's podcast is going to be really interesting. Now imagine this. You're a high school stud. 
you win the high school state region in, in the Tucson area, but you're from such a small town that there's no stoplight there. There's no Taco Bell there. But you're a stud. You get drafted by the Yankees. You sign. You get to double-A with the Yankees after six years. You've had Tommy John. You missed a bunch of time. You get released by the Yankees. You're now 26 years old. You go to the, the Brewers in the minor league organization. Then they let you go, and you're like, what, what's going on here? What am I doing with my life? I want to get to the big leagues. And you have a chance to go play in Mexico for a bunch of money. You sign with Monterrey, and then Monterrey uh, voids your contract. You go to Tijuana, they void your contract. You're left without a team. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. And I've always said in the past, for me, my only perception of Mexico baseball was eastbound and down. Like when Kenny Powers was down there, I'm like, there's no way. That's where careers go to die. This is the perception I had as the typical American who didn't know any better. Like if you're playing down yeah. there, you're probably the dude who's on amphetamines, who probably is like 100 pounds overweight. And you're just because that's what that's the perception that I had of Mexico baseball. And then you went down there and played in Tijuana and... First of all, I was scared out of my mind when I went across the border because I'm typical American guy, Latino light. And I'm like, this is the most fun I've ever had a baseball game. Completely flipped my mind. And I realized that these guys down here, not only are they professionals, they're freaking good. But they decided that instead of being in AAA, playing in front of 80 people, making a couple hundred bucks, I can come down here, make a lot of money get my face on the side of billboards, on the side of buses, and get treated like a rock star, and get and pitch for a while, and that's the story of today's guest, Manny Barreda. This is completely different. It's crazy. I'm telling you, it's crazy because what you said is really true. You go out there, the first time I stepped foot with the photo of the Tijuana, I was like, holy smokes, there's a lot of talent here. A lot of talent. You see it every time, every game, I'm like, and nothing against the league, but at times I was like, geez, what is what is Manny doing here? You know, a guy like Manny. And I want him to explain to I want him because when he was the photos of the and I was there, he was still he belonged to the Atlanta Braves. So he was under Peebo with the Atlanta Braves. It, it was just a weird situation that I really never understood. And I was like, you know what? Like I said, there, there's so many things and parts to his story that I feel like are gonna be really unique and interesting that I feel the, the listener out there kind of expands their horizons and says, Wow, there, well, there's a big league game going on here. There's a big league game going on in Mexico during the summer. And it, it's crazy because over there, there's 15,000, 20,000 people going crazy over the photos of Tijuana. Here, you got the LA Dodgers where, you know, 30, 40,000 are going crazy over the LA Dodgers and they love them just as much. Yeah, after I saw you play in Tijuana that, that one month, I did some more reading and I realized that some nights, the Toros at Tijuana had a bigger crowd than the Padres did, because the pa- because the Padres were playing a Wednesday against you know say Pittsburgh and they didn't have anybody they weren't drawing and they was a bad team and it's just a completely different version. So today's guest is Manny Barrera who is now playing winter ball. He's in Culiacan, which is a whole nother world because baseball doesn't stop in the northern part of Mexico. He joins us right now from Culiacan, making his debut. Manny Barrera, who's never done a podcast in his life who had to go to the OXO to get some internet and had to dust off the computer. Welcome to the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. Man, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't have any famous friends that invite me to podcast, you know. They don't do podcasts out here in Mexico. It's straight, like, into the newspaper, uh, you know, maybe some, some YouTube li- or some Instagram live, and that's about it. Look at you. Look at you. What are you doing in Culiacan right now? 
Man, I'm just chilling. Uh, actually, we we we, uh, we have stretch at three uh, thirty or three, I believe. Um, we pretty much show up like five minutes before stretch here, so it's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, just you know, chilling before before the game. Um, there, there's not nothing really to do out here um, right now with with this whole COVID thing. Everything's uh, pretty. I mean, we're pretty much we're pretty much uh, banned from doing anything out in public. And you're playing for the Tomateros, which is the Mexican Winter League down there. Which is the uh, Mexican Yankees out here. <laughs> you know, a lot of teams claim that. Uh, this is the organization. Uh, this is this is like one of the top organizations out here. Um, probably the one with the with the most money out here. Not not the one with the most, because there's there's another ones out here that are that are popping up. I feel like baseball's growing a lot more, but uh, this one's one of the most prestigious organizations out here. And Manny, when you heard us talking about you right now, what'd you think? Man, I got I got a little chills. You know, you guys you guys were pumping me up, and, and that felt good. You know, it felt good to get pumped up in English. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about the first interaction I or the first time I walked into that Toros the Tijuana clubhouse, and I saw Manny. The first thought, honestly, and, and, and yeah, I don't know if I told you this. I was like, who the hell is this this loud loudmouth going going crazy on <laughs> yeah. the court? Yeah, because he he doesn't shut up. He is just like. <laughs> Go, 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 talking shit to everyone. And oh, he like, needs a podcast. He'd be oh, perfect. <laughs> and uh, oh my God. No, but in all seriousness, I watched him pitch one game and I was like, holy shit, like this guy's got good stuff. Like he's got great stuff. And and not only that, that's not the only thing that I was like amazed by. It was the way he prepared his work ethic before starts, how focused he was. And, you know, in Mexico, for some reason, they love their long distance, distance uh, running. And we were talking about it yesterday in the group chat, Beto, with, uh, about uh, Rafa Diaz, who pitched for such a long time. That guy was like a super marathon runner. And these guys were just go all of batting practice, just running laps around the field, like the whole time. Something that i never seen because you don't see it here in in, in in the United States when, when you're playing pro ball here. You just don't see that during batting practice. And I it was just like a whole completely different world of how we've seen these guys prepared and go out there and be successful. Hey, Rafa, Rafa actually ran marathons before games. I, I was his roommate a couple times, and he would go run these marathons in, in, you know, in Durango and uh, I don't remember what other cities – there's like three cities where he would run a marathon before he would go out there and pitch and relief. So, I mean, yeah, that was crazy. And he was, he was like four, six years old at the time. It's a, what I what I learned when I went down there the few couple times is that Mexico is different, and this is what I want to get into today because people might look down at it as like, well, they're not they're playing in Mexico, or people might say they're playing in Japan, they're playing whatever. But it, the quality of play down there is because you guys choose to go down there. I mean, some guys end up there. You know, they're in their late 30s and they're hanging on. But you, Manny, got released by the Brewers and got released by the Yankees, and you said, I got the AAA. You made a decision, a hard decision in your life when you're in your late 20s to say, okay, I'm going to give up on the Major League dream and go to Mexico. How and why did all that happen? Well, actually, um, I got I got released by the Yankees, and I signed the, like the within like an hour. I signed with the Brewers that year. Ended up with the Brewers, um, and I finished I finished up that season knowing that you know, damn, like I, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure this is the way. 
Um, I ended up re-signing with the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers were a great organization for me at that time. Like it, it was a good, it was a good fit. Uh, but I already had in my mind, like seeing all these guys making more money in Mexico than they were like in the in the minor leagues. And at the at that time, I think uh, I was about to get married. Um, so I mean, I needed money. Like it, it, let's be real. Like in minor league baseball, no matter how much money you're making, it, it, it cuts down to like half of it and maybe even a third of it once you start paying rent and, and you know, all those payments. And here in Me- Mexico, it's, you know, straight up. Uh, you, you make, uh, say, eight grand, you make eight grand. You don't, they pay for your rent, they pay for, they, I mean, at that, at that point, they even pay for your, like, your flights or anything you need for your family. Um, so I go back to the Brewers, spring training and i realized like hey i'm, I'm stuck in double a with this organization and um and at that time i had already talked to a few teams monterrey was one of the teams i don't know if you guys remember oscar villarreal uh he was he was a pitcher in, in the big leagues with with the uh, with a few teams and he was the one calling me he's like hey dude the, these guys want you out here and um so i talked to them and i talked to the brewers the brewers were like hey you know we, we don't want to let you go but we under understand your situation. Like you got, you know, you want to make money, and I think I was, I think I was like twenty-five at the time. I mean, fairly young, but for someone who had, hadn't been out of Double A, I feel like I was kind of old. I was already in, into my ninth or eighth professional season, I think. So I, I, I felt stuck, and um, I come out here to Mexico. I come out here to Monterrey, thinking everything was gonna be great. And I literally got Mexico. Like it, that's what you that's what you get called. That's what you call it when you get screwed out here. I got Wait, hold on, hold, hold on, Manny. Hold, hold on, Manny. I've heard the term. You got Mexico, and then there's the other one that's fucking Mexico, right? Oh no, I I, I can't say fucking Mexico because I got a lot, a lot of love. No, 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 no. The 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 the, the term the Sanabia's told me where you know where other guys have said it where it's oh, like yeah, you're, you're, you're you're not saying fucking, but you're just more like. Fucking Mexico, like that. What, what happened? Fucking oh, yeah. Mexico. <laughs> yeah, bro, Like, there's no lie. Uh, it's crazy, man. I, I show up, and um, I'm, I'm about to sign my contract, and um, I, I speak to like the head honcho of, of you know the, the owner of the, of the Monterrey team, and I explain to him, hey, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I, I really, you know, appreciate the opportunity. Money was, you know, what we had agreed to. Uh, they even agreed to give me my own room, which was uh, which was like a it's not very uh, common here in Mexico for for a guy who's not a big leader. But I mean, that's something I negotiated, and it worked out for me. But when it came to hey, if I pitch well and I get the opportunity to re-sign with an American team or or somewhere else, um, just let me go. Like don't don't ask for a bonus because what they do here in Mexico is they ask you could be thirty years old. And if a team in the, in the U.S. wants to sign you, they'll ask for a million dollars just so they can make some money off of you. So, so I'm like, nobody's gonna pay an amount of money for me if 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 I if I'm trying to go back to the states. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And I was just like, well, I can't sign. And I remember that day, I, I talked to a couple a couple other players on other teams, and I didn't know how it worked. Like, I really didn't know how, how it worked. I didn't sign a contract. I didn't. I mean, I had just came to terms. You don't verbally, but I never signed a paper. So I I, I, I called other teams and um, hold on, my 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 this computer here. It's, it's not dying on you. Restart. 
And so I called other other guys, and they're like, "Hey, dude, why don't you come over here?" And one of the guys was was uh, someone in Toros de Tijuana, Dennis Reyes, the, the you know Dodger pitcher, uh, you know little little Valenzuela. That's what they used to call him. And uh, he's like, "Why don't you come here, TJ?" So instead of going to practice the next day, um, I get on on an airport. I get to 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 the airport. I get on a plane, and and they're calling. Me. They're calling me. They're like, "Hey, what happened?" I was like, "Hey, I can't sign with you." They're like, "Well, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna." Uh, they pretty much told me, "Hey, we're gonna get you to never play in this league again." And I'm like, "Why? I, I didn't I never sign a contract." And I was talking to, to to you know the other guys and TJ. They're like, "Don't worry about it. That that's the tactic they use." And when I show up in TJ, uh, I I'm active on the roster for a week. I remember the first road trip I made was Tabasco and Veracruz. Like that was like. My reality to like, damn, I'm in Mexico. It's deep south, <laughs> hot as hell. Um, literally the first the first series that I'm in, there was like people throwing ice at us from the stands because we got in a brawl. And I was like, damn, what, what did I get myself into? Like it, it was it was like that. And they're like, hey, you can't leave the stadium yet because there's people outside with machetes, uh, probably gonna try to beat you guys up. And it, it was real. Uh, and, and I was like. That's the one this thing camp. that I I was pretty in shock about Mexico when I when I when I was there. I spent a month and a half there. Is how after the game you walk through the concourse where all the fans are at. They're all waiting for you. They can. I mean, and I'm not saying I'm special or anyone special by any means, but like these people can literally come up to you, and if they wanted to, they can come and whack, like punch oh, you yeah. and run away. Like that's how close they are to you. You're not. And, Many and you remember that the the years we the that year that I was there with you guys when we went to Durango Durango had a team for the first time ever and remember that series you went and it was five thousand people but it sounded like literally twenty thousand people like these people were from like just cussing every single Mexican word at you that you can think of and and the funny <laughs> thing is I cut the bug out for a little bit um, and these guys are dishing it out. This is just as bad too. The guys, the guys that are in the bench, they're like yelling back at the fans, and the fans are yelling at the players, and it's just, it's a shit show, man. But it's a, it, it's fun, you know. Like like I said, it's fun, but a lot of it is just it's a completely different game out there in the sense that the, the way that the fans uh, interact with players and the players interact with that. Yeah, oh yeah, you you can't take it personal out here. It like it happened to Sanabia, Alex Sanabia, one time. Uh, yeah, he, he, he pulled the run our test, and he he's trying to fight like the he tried to, he, it was in Mexicali, and I mean that's pretty. I would say like it's a border town, it, it's kind of Americanized, but they, they go crazy too. And it happened to me one time in Mexicali. A, a lady, a lady, uh, tried to like she tried to spill like her drink on me, and I had hot coffee, and I was about to just you know just wet her with hot coffee, but luckily somebody stopped me. Um, so yeah, and back to back to how I signed here was I got suspended. Like the, the I showed up to TJ, and when I get back, they're like, "Hey, uh, the league decided to suspend you," and I was like, "Why?" They're like, "Well, because you came to an agreement. You they said that you signed a contract." I was like, "I never signed a contract. Like obviously, if I would have signed a contract, I would have never left because I knew I was like all deep in there, you know." But um, I never signed a contract. And I still got suspended. And it was at that point. Mexico. Like 
they called it a gentleman's agreement. And it was like, that's not pretty, that's not gentleman-like, you know what I mean? Like, we got, I, got, I was the one that got screwed. But it was a point where, um, I think it was like a couple years before Ricky came out here, um, there was like three teams in this league that ran everything. They decided who played, who didn't play. Um, they decided pretty much who came out positive in the drug test. They, they, there was, there was, it was a, hey, it was a shit show. Like, and and I, I'm not gonna name the teams because there's everybody knows everybody that's been out to Mexico and, and played in the summer league knows. Uh, but the, there was three teams that ran the whole thing, and they screwed a lot of guys over. All right, let me uh, let me try to break this down for people who don't know how Mexico works, and myself included. There is a, a regular season that happens when Major League Baseball is going on, right? That's they call this the Summer League, right? That's where we're talking about Toros, and you play the regular 100-something games, that, and you play all over Mexico, and that's the Summer League, right? And then there's the Winter League where you're playing right now, which is like Mexicali, Culiacán, uh, you know, um, Charros, all that other stuff. Well, yeah. Now, are those two leagues connected, or is it now completely separate? They're completely separate, um, but I mean, obviously, if it's like the if there's I think there's 16 teams in the summer league, and there's now there's uh, 10 teams here, I believe, or or, or maybe 12. Um, but it's like the better players out of that league come to this one, combined with some minor league guys and some you know foreign guys that come out here. So it, it is a, def- a different league. It's almost the same guys though. It, it's a lot of the same guys. But they're ran by different people. Okay, now let me ask this, this question. When you play Winter League, like with the normal summer, you play your team, right? That's your squad, nothing changes. Winter League, it's guys come out and play just for a couple weeks sometimes? Or they'll, they don't play the entire it winter? Oh, it depends on who the guys are. Like us Mexican guys that play here in Mexico, we're pretty much like, I'm not going to say force, but we're kind of like, hey, you're playing from oh, October till you know the end of the season because it's it's kind of frowned upon. Like if you don't come out here, they're like, what, what else? What 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 else do you have going for you? And when it's like a minor league guy, when it's a minor league guy, they they, they can come out here and and they can claim their organization stopped them and they come out here sometimes for a week, two weeks. Uh, foreigners, oh, the same thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's so how it happens. They- you say, let's say, let's say, for example, Julio Urias wants to go and play. He probably belongs to the Culiacan Tomateros, right? He's right. Yeah. So he's going to come in. He's not obviously going to show up in October. He can show up in November, December. Same as Oliver Perez has done it for so many years with you guys. And when you're when you're at that status and you, you've built that status, I feel like you, you, can, you can pretty much set your schedule. Hey, I'm going to come in during this time yeah. and you see the team's going to cater to you because – that's just yeah. All right, so if you're property of a U.S. major league team, you can do that where you only play a little bit. But these yeah. American guys that go down there and play, like um, they're down there, and I've heard stories that they just make a bunch of money because they come down there and they rake and they're doing all kinds of stuff because they hit well, and then they just stay until they're in their 40s. Like those, oh, Amer- yeah. those American guys out there, like how come they're not in the big leagues, Manny? I mean, there's just so many other things too. Like, I, I would say there is a there is a lot of talent out here, and, and you see it. There's guys out here that throw 100. There's guys out here that throw uh, 95, 96, you know, every pitch. Um, but they, I don't know. They, I, 
I, I just sometimes I can't wrap my head around it. Um, but I feel like baseball has changed so much. Uh, back in the day, if you threw ninety six, you were you were gonna be you were gonna have a chance to be in the big leagues. Or if you threw a hundred, you were gonna have a chance to be in the big leagues. But now organizations in the big leagues just they they just run a whole different way, a whole different way, and. and and even hitters, like there's there's power. We got Chris Carter out here hitting like fifty bombs. He hit. Um, did he hit forty two years ago for the? Yeah, he, yes, he hit like something ridiculous. Like, it, 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 it's you're yeah. right. Ba- baseball is different, but that's what I've always wondered. Like that when you go down there. So with the winter league for you, Manny, you're like the guy down there. You made the decision to leave U.S. baseball. You stuck with it. And then I go to spring training a couple years ago. You guys were working out in uh, in Arizona, and you're on the side of a freaking bus. You have billboards <laughs> like it, you, there is literally a hashtag. Ricky, go for it. What is it? When Manny pitches, Manny Day. But let's stop pumping his ego, man. Come on, he don't need that anymore. <laughs> man, I've come a long way since you know you met me. That loudmouth. I'm uh, still the loudmouth, but now I got my own day, man. So now, now, now you can just imagine how much louder. Okay, hey. wh- what the hell is Manny Day? Ah, uh, man, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna claim it, but you know, when 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 they, uh, I guess three, three, four years ago, um, it was a day I pitched, and they called it Manny Day, and it took off from there. I think I did well, and and. Um, it just took off from there. From now on, it, everything is many day. Uh, we're actually having our our like players like players jersey this uh, this series, and my name on the back is Manny Day. It's kind of embarrassing because guys will like, come up to me like, "Hey, Manny Day," and I'm just like, "Oh man, I don't know if he's making fun of me or if he's like for real." Because it's like, oh, they're probably making fun of you, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably are. But I mean, I got no Manny. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit of, of where you grew up and, and baseball, your love and passion growing up. Like, was it something that you knew you were going to do? Or, like, a little bit just just quick about, like, yeah. growing up where you grew up, you know, the high school level, getting drafted and all that, going to a prestigious organization like the Yankees. You know, when you show up to that, when you show up to those facilities there, it's crazy, dude. You walk in and you're like, the first time I walked in when I got drafted, it was in I was in Dunedin and high and, and when you walk into those spring training facilities, you're like, wow, this is different. Wow. Well, I grew up in I grew up in a small town south of Tucson, and um, actually, I went to school in a in a small town. I grew up in a smaller town uh, where I grew up. There was literally like a couple stop signs, and uh, that was it. There was no like store or anything. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, so I got drafted out of high school, but before high school, I mean, I, I thought I was going to be a position player. I, I played infield the whole time. I always pitched, but, uh, and I always had a good arm, but I, I was a position player and, um, uh, I would, I would actually play, look at that, that turning two right there. That was my, that was my thing. <laughs> um, in high school, in high school, um, one of the things that helped me out the most was going into Mexico and playing in these like se- like I'm not gonna say semi pro because there's no such thing as semi pro, but it was like a it, it was actually like a professional league because some of the guys were getting paid, some of the guys were getting paid, and, and we were sponsored by Tecate. We we had we drew like four thousand five thousand fans in small little towns, 
and I would go out there and pitch, and I was I was like 14 playing with like 30 year old men. That's and, what you um, talk, Ricky. You've talked about those games. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was playing, and yeah, we played. We played on Sundays, and I think we like there was a couple series that were like that drew a lot of fans, and we played on Saturday and Sunday, um, and it was crazy. It, that, that's what pretty much like made me a man playing like with kids with with little kids. When I went back to high school, things was easy, and um, and I played infield all throughout high school. I played infield. I pitched. I remember my my first game in high school. Um, my my head my head uh, coach my high school coach um, he he knew some baseball he was actually a, a part time scout with uh, the Waterfox and I told him I was like hey coach I can pitch and he laughed at me I was like five seven at the time like I, I was even shorter than I am now Ricky if you can believe that um, <laughs> and uh, my, my my coach laughed at me he's like and I probably weighed like one thirty my my coach laughed at me he's like man you'll never get on the on the mound. And sure enough, like one of our one of our aces went down in, in my freshman year, and he's like, "Hey, you, you said you picked. Like, go ahead, you got the you got the game." And I threw a no hitter that game. My first high school game on varsity, I threw a no hitter. This and guy. From then on, I, I pitched. From then on, I pitched, and uh, and I did well. Uh, but my my thing was I was going to be a hitter. I, I thought I was going to be a, a shortstop, second baseman, and I hit well. And uh, the funny thing was when I when I when I went through these workouts, I would always take my bat and my glove, and uh, I think they would, they just felt bad for me, and they would let me like hit and field. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I was just. I mean, my my high school coach he knew like how the draft worked, but I had no idea. We had never um, we had never had anybody drafted from our high school, and I don't think I, I ever I I don't think I ever met anybody, um, or I had. I kept in touch with people that I that I that were drafted. I never like I no. didn't know how it worked. Uh, the story and I read, the story I read about you, Manny. Let me refresh your memory. Uh, your school, you and uh, your teammate were the f- first ones ever drafted out of your high school. You guys won the championship that year in Arizona, and since yeah. then, only one other person has been drafted since. Um, that was that was I a few years ago. That was a few years ago. I think now there's been a couple more. There's, yeah, there's there's been talent out of there. Um, but um, but yeah, you yeah, did an in, you you did an interview once, and you said that you didn't know how the draft worked, and that you had never met anybody who had ever been drafted, because that's how yeah. small a town you were from. Yeah, in my high school class, I think we graduated like three hundred or four hundred people, and and that was like the biggest class in 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 probably fifty years of school of the school's history. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know I didn't know how it worked. And um, so when I when I uh, when I signed and, and you know I got my contract and everything, I didn't know. I didn't even ask. Um, I read the contract and it said like you know right handed pitcher, but I didn't know what that meant. like. I mean, I knew what it meant, but I was like, all right. I mean, I didn't know if it was like if that was like the only thing I was gonna do. So when I, <laughs> I didn't take bats because I didn't take bats because my my obviously my luggage wasn't like I was like I'll, I'll get bats over there right like. And, and I was like, all right, cool. I took my feeling glove. I took my batting gloves. I took my wrist hands. I was like, I'm going to hit. Like, they're going to let me hit, too. And I was just like, okay. But and, and the thing was, like, nobody nobody told me, like, hey, you're going to pitch for us. Like, no, I thought I was going to maybe maybe get a chance to hit and then pitch. I don't know. I didn't know. All right. Let, 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 was- let, let me slow you down here because there's so many questions I got already. Wow, Manny, you're a nice guy, Manny. You're really nice, but 
Mijo, no sabes nada. You, you, you had no clue what was going on in your world. Now, you're from a small town, right? You might as well just be in the rancho the way you're talking right now. And you had committed to University of Arizona. You got drafted as in what? An as an infield. You got drafted in what round? I got drafted in the 12th round. Did you wow. know? Did you know that there was possibility of you being drafted? Did you even know that? Oh yeah, I, I okay. knew. Like, I, okay, so I, you I knew. knew, you knew. Yeah, I knew. I, knew. I think I knew since like my junior year, and I, and I I committed to like Arizona, and I took like a visit to Arizona. I, I actually committed after my freshman year to Arizona State, and it was the same thing. Like, it was primarily as an infielder. And Arizona State at the time was like number one in, in baseball. Like they were like the, they were the guys. Like, and um, and I I had I thought it was going to be an infielder there too. And they told me they're like, hey, you're going to play infield and you're going to come out and close for us. I, I was throwing I was throwing ninety six as a senior in high school at the time, you know. So wow. I was like, all right. No, but, but, um, but but Manny, they call, the Yankees call you, right? Yeah. How did that conversation go? Then they say you've been drafted. Um, I, I was at my high school coach's like house. My parents were working, and uh, we were we were following it on the tracker, the MLB tracker, or whatever. And um, it got to a point where I was like, it was like the twelfth round, and I think the Yankees were like, the last ones. And um, and uh, it got to the point where I was like, man, I'm not gonna get drafted. And I was like, if I don't get drafted uh, within like these next couple rounds, I'm not signing. Like, I, I don't care if the money was the same. Like, I'm not gonna sign. I was like, that was just my ego and. I didn't know how, how things were, um, but I was like, I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to sign. And then, sure enough, pops up, Yankees, Yankees uh, drafted me. And I, I worked out for them, but I never had, like, any long conversations with the Yankees. I thought, I thought it was going to be another team that I had really done well for in front of. And um, the Yankees were like, oh, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what they think of me. Like, they never even talked to me after my workout, you know? <laughs> and and I was like, All right. Did you ever consider – Going to school and not signing? No. <laughs> no, hey, honestly, honestly, um, honestly, no, man. I, I, I had uh, committed to Arizona, and I, Arizona was like the first team that sent me like packages, like you know those packages you get when you're like a, a stud, uh, Rick, like no, I, no, year. I don't know, I don't know. So explain. Was it Andy Lopez who recruited you? Uh yeah, Andy Lopez. Wow. Um, and and my freshman year of high school, man, like I uh, after my freshman year, I had a really good freshman year. Like I hit like four thirty, um, ERA of like point six three or something like but, that. But, like, but who remember? Who remembers these things, right? Who remembers them? I mean, I I remember that because that was like my best season ever. You know, that, <laughs> who are you guys playing against? Nobody. Oh uh, yeah. We were playing the small. We we actually played really good schools, but I, we also played like really like small schools. You know, we we, we did. Um, but um, yeah, they, they sent me like I remember. I remember this like to this day. I remember like my my dad was like really excited, and he's like, "Hey, look what you got in the mail!" And it was like this big envelope with like it was Arizona, like Arizona baseball, and it was like a it was like their program. And they was just like introducing themselves because they can't really do anything much. Um, but they was just like a bunch of things, and I was I was going crazy, man. I, that was that was really exciting. Um, and then from then that that day, um, I ended up getting a bunch of letters. Like after that day, a bunch of letters, and I still have them in my house actually. Like That's cool. it's like a huge box 
and I show my little brother because my little brother actually just committed to uh, to a junior college, and I show him. I was like, "Man, I was a stud. Where you at, man?" And, and, yeah. My ex, you know, is that uh, I'm getting recruited by these schools. I think it was my junior year. I think when you when you start getting like calls or whatever. And I was getting recruited by these schools, and a lot of schools were, were like jumping off of me because I wouldn't answer. And my head coach was like, "Hey, um, a bunch of these schools said they're they're sending you text messages, and you're not answering." And I was like, "Coach, I, I don't have any text messaging." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I lost a couple opportunities there because I, I didn't have text messaging. I didn't. Wow, Rick. Text Rick, we're gonna like, need we're gonna need we, we're gonna need a part two to just. There's so much right now with this kid. Like, how do you walk and and chew gum at the same time? Like, how? Yeah. <laughs> Remember when Verizon would charge you like thirty dollars for two hundred and fifty text messages? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say because my wife is gonna get kind of mad right here. But <laughs> I had a girlfriend who I told her I would always tell her like, don't send me text messages. <laughs> it was like constant text message after. Like, I was like, man, my mom's gonna kill me. My mom's gonna kill me. So like, she shut down my text messaging. Like, so, and it was, it was, you know, that's what happened. Guys, guy, like Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, they, they, they all had a relationship with my high school coach, and they're like, hey, we're trying to text message him, and he doesn't answer. So we're we're we're, we're out of there. And that's what happened. Man. But you were going to college anyways. Uh, Yankees. So back to the Yankees. That contract. They call you. How much do they give you? Not that much. <laughs> no, but you took it right away, right? So it's like, hey, that's it. I took it right away. Yeah, I took it right away, and and, and I didn't know. I, didn't, I honestly, I, I should have, I should have waited. Um, and I, I think I would have. No, no, I but I mean, been. but think about it right here. You're 17, 18 year old man in Brita, a humble kid from a small town who, the week before, was playing Sunday league against grown ass men, getting paid in beer. Those guys are literally, literally yeah. the week before. I told the team that I was playing with in Ogallis, I was like, hey, uh, I probably won't be coming next week because uh, I think I'm going to get drafted. And they just like looked at me like, oh, okay, cool. You know what's funny about I, that? Too? I, I, I did it right after uh, um, a summer. I went after my freshman year at Fullerton. I went summer baseball up in northern Ohio, and something didn't uh, – work out with the coach there. I won't mention his name because he was a complete asshole. Um, and I I left. I ended up coming home and I called the coaches at Joseph Fullerton and I was like, hey, I'm going to go get some more innings and I'm going to go play Sunday League on my dad's team. And that's how I got better that summer. And I came in more confident going into my sophomore year of, uh, of, of, of college. So it's just one of those things where we, me, me and you have always talked about it. We, we're always intrigued by how many we always say uh, we wonder how many big leaguers were playing, like that are yeah. come from a culture were playing in those Sunday leagues uh, back in the day, you know. And now they're in the big leagues or they're you know in the minor leagues somewhere. Now, I, as I was telling Manny, I, I wanted to. I've always told Ricky I want to do something. Even though I don't know how to make a movie, I want to make a documentary on something. These big leaguers like yourselves, professional pitchers, who have, as 14, 15 year old little kids p- pitching against grown ass men who are getting loaded in the dugout between innings, and then they're out there playing against you guys, like you two, Sergio Romo, um, a bunch of other guys that have been play- that grew up in this border towns that played against those. 
like all that travel ball stuff, all that scout team stuff. Go play Sunday league against these grown ass men. That'll make you a man right there, right? Like there's a there's a story there. That's 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 where I learned how to throw like a like a slider and a change up because my my kid was getting rocked. <laughs> you got these like you got these beer bellied like you got these beer bellied like 30, 35 year old men like just sitting on your fastball. Bang! And I was like, damn, like yeah, I got alert. And I learned a change up. I learned a breaking ball, but it was just all because of what you saw. You, you, I mean, there was guys literally throwing like eighty miles an hour, getting out because they threw a good fighter or whatever. And I was just like, I got, I got to learn something from these guys. Right, that's another podcast. That's another story. There's like, there's a movie there about these guys because I've always fast. It's fascinating that you hear like how you have to go play in those leagues and you're representing. And like you said, it there are four or five thousand people coming out, and I can only imagine the gambling that goes on in the stands for those games too. Because that will leave that another story, man. Forget about the gambling. Just imagine the drinking that goes on. Like that's like the way the story <laughs> You got mariscos and beer before game, during, yeah. before during and after the game, and they they do that. They yeah. kill. I was obviously when I was playing there. I started at the age I was in high school. I was like 14, 14, 15 years old, and. <sighs> Honestly, you, I wasn't doing any of that, but I was like, man, I, I, these these guys are coming up to you and saying, "I'm going to hit a bomb off you." <laughs> so, all right, let's go then. Let's go, and that's that's basically what makes you kind of get ready for 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 grown ass man, so that when the time comes and when when it came for me, I was in college in the big leagues and all that. I was like, obviously, you run through times of failures, but. Nobody faces no, nobody faces you at that point. I didn't care if it was Derek Jeter or Miguel Cabrera. I was like, all right, let's go. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricky, we're, we're, the, Manny, you're such a fascinating little guy, man. Um, <laughs> because there's so many stories. No, I, no, it, no, honestly, Manny, because when we ask people to come on the podcast, we don't know how they're going to react because you know when you're having a conversation like this, it takes. You gotta have personality, and you have a lot of personality. But you said it; you've never done a podcast before. You've only done interviews before. Some people who we think would be good come on, and they're like frozen. So there's some Ricky. Wh- what direction you want to go with this guy right now? <laughs> well, one, I want to take credit for his no hitter he threw in Tijuana when I was there, because <laughs> because when I got there, this guy was. I'm like, what is the issue with Manny? He's got great shit. He's around the plate. What is the issue with me? The more I watch them, the more I watch them, the more I watch them. And somehow I ended up in the bullpen with Soto de Tijuana, which I was like, you know what? This is it for me. I'm done. Anyways, but the times I got to watch from the dugout, I was like, okay, I found I found what it is. And, it, and I kind of related it to myself a little bit. I was like, this guy is working too hard for a guy that has great shit. And what I mean by that is great fastball great i mean when you look up to the scoreboard you're seeing 94 95 and i'm like okay why is he getting hit why is he why is he always in trouble and it's he was just he's got such good stuff that it, it almost seemed like he was just trying to do so much with, with one pitch and i said hey dude the day you learn that your stuff is plenty good enough and you're in the zone it's going to play perfectly and then next thing you know next outing he goes out and he throws a damn no hitter with, with the photos, and I remember I ran from the uh, from the, from the uh, open. I was on a full sprint, and I gave him a hug, and I was like, "What did I tell you, dude?" And, 
And so that's why I like to take credit for that no-hitter. I never threw one, so I'm going to take credit for that one. As you should, Ricky. Hey, Ricky, congratulations on your no-hitter, Ricky. I would always I would always stick around these guys and it was Ricky and uh, even Rafa. Rafa was one of the guys that was like, hey, you know, let's run. And, and it was it was a competition. Like sometimes like with this 46 year old man outrunning me and I was like, I ain't going to let him outrun me. And um, but yeah, Rick, Ricky was one of the guys that I would always hang out with. And, and I think. He only played with us for a month and a half, but we've been pretty close uh, ever since. Um, uh, and I think it's because you know we'd always we'd always be hanging out with each other, and I would always just be picking his brain. Um, I know he wasn't at at the best place uh, baseball wise in, in his in his life or in his career at that point, but I knew uh, everything that he was telling me was from things that he had gone through in the past, and and, and I, I was going to be able to learn from. His mistakes, and, and that's you know I, I appreciate Ricky for all that, and even Sanabia. Sanabia was one of the guys that we would always talk to, and, and it was just, you know you, you you went down there and you saw how, how yeah you know how cool you were, it, it, and, it, and that's the one thing I said. I'm not even going to Mexico, and I never saw anyone below me. I said I'm gonna come in here, and I want people to pick pick my brain because I've been to places where these guys. Uh, hope they go one day and and i wasn't gonna come in and be bitter or be like oh yeah this is i'm too good for this shit or why is this stuff like this and why is this stuff like that i said man i see so much potential in you i told him i was like i see so much potential in you it's up to you dude the day you harness it the day you say my stuff is plenty good enough that's the day that it's gonna change for you and i i'll i guess i'll take credit for many day too right. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh this uh po the podcast uh, it is live right now on YouTube. A couple of people watching. I didn't promote it, but it is live. I, but here you go. Here's a question that comes in from Juan Weta. Uh, can you ask Manny to describe the difference in the crowds between the major league games and the Mexican league games? I've never been, you know, I mean, I've been to like two training games and, and whatever in, in the big leagues, but I've never been a part of like a, in the dugout of a major league game. But, okay, but, been, um, the, but, but you've been a AAA, been, so AAA yeah, equivalent. Oh, yeah. The difference What's between... The Oh, better question: What's the largest crowd you ever played in front of in the minor leagues? Like what level? Oh, in the in the minor leagues, I think we put like Charlotte. We played, you know, we played in front of like seventeen thousand fans or whatever. But you yeah, can't compare 000. that ten thousand yeah. fans going crazy here in Mexico. Um, I played <laughs> in in crowd here in Mexico of like twenty five thousand, I think, or twenty thousand, um, and that is insane. We actually walked it off. Uh, as Team Mexico walked it off, and the crowd—that was like the craziest thing I've ever felt. And and just winning championships out here is crazy. But regular season game, regular season games here in Mexico, Thursday Thursdays—you've been to them. <laughs> they are insane. Like the beer is like the beer is so big, and it's dollar beer, and you're just like, it's, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, okay, so, okay, Manny, okay, the perfect example. Let me let me get, break down here. All right, the the beer is crazy. They bring it to you, the cubateros, the guys in orange vests. I got yelled at because I went to go get a beer, and then the guy's like, no, 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 yo te lo traigo. I bring it to you. And I'm like, all right, bro, yeah. like, sorry sorry about that. Here's my $2 for my beer, which I'm going to get hammered on. But there's freaking mascots on the field, Manny. Oh, did I lose them? Oh, don't tell me I lost him. He's both of you guys frozen. All right, we'll keep on going. All right, 
it's resuming. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, back to Manny, Ricky. Explain this to me. You were talking about the crowds. It's fun. It's crazy. It's all that everything else out there. But on the field, there are mascots. Oh, don't tell me it's frozen. Oh, right, there's Ricky. I'm good. I'm back. All right, Manny. All right. Uh... Are you like on an hour limit uh, internet in San Antonio? Man, I, 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 you know, I think it's Canelo got mad at me because we're talking about uh, baseball. We're not talking about uh, Guadalajara at all. So too much Culiacan talk for Canelo or something, man. His internet. Uh, yeah. All right. So here's the question I'm asking. There's freaking mascots on the field while you're playing. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Not just any mascots. You got like Chango, and, and if you guys don't follow him, he's got a he's got an Instagram. Ah, uh. would like he would fight like in the middle of the street. Like they, it's pretty crazy. But this guy is insane. Like during the game, he'll like he'll like pretty much like he'll get the crowd to cheer at the umpire and call him like puto like. And then like go like be like at the umpire like, and like oh, man, there's so many things that are so illegal and you get sued for <laughs> that it's incredible. People come out here and they're like, How is that like possible? Like and people love it. Like it's crazy. It, it is crazy. But okay. But you as a player, you're pitching, right? You're in a zone and you look over and there's a chicken arguing with the umpire. Yeah, the, the game sometimes has – there's been literally times where the game has stopped because they'll get, like, the mascot and he'll start doing too much. And they'll be like, hey, time, time out. And then they'll, like, get him out the way. They're like, all right, let's get back to play. <laughs> there, was one game, there was one game in TJ where, where Chango got thrown out of the game. The mascot oh, yeah. got thrown out of the game. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And he was yeah. – I remember him sitting in the dugout and, like, just sitting, like – Really, really sad that he got thrown out of the game. He wasn't allowed back on the field. <laughs> oh, no, you know what? One thing though, I will say, when you're pitching or when you're on the field, you don't you don't realize this. Like you don't see it. You just hear the crowd. Sometimes you hear the crowd like Manny. There's a there's a jungle, a, a, a chicken, and a, something else running around, and you don't see this while you're pitching. You're not in that much of a zone. Sometimes, hey, no. Sometimes you'll hear like you, you know. You'll hear like the crowd cheering for like random stuff, like hey, shit. like I haven't even thrown the ball and they're already cheering, but they're cheering at Tango. And and uh, but when you're playing, you don't really like, you don't really look at it as much. But when you're in the dugout or when you're not playing, like I literally spend fifty percent of my time watching the mascot. Yeah, you really do. Like, you're not you're really do. You're like you're like oh shoot, what is he doing now? And then you're like oh oh here's, here comes a pitch. Oh, back to Tongo. Like, that's how it is. Dude. Like, the other crazy thing about uh, playing out there is how they play music up until you're going to release the damn ball, too. That was yeah. the other thing. I was like, whoa. Like, obviously, when you're on the mountain, when I was on the mountain, you can't hear it, but you're literally getting your sign and the music's playing, music's playing. As soon as you, like, start your wind up or you're out of the stretch, as soon as you come set, boom, the music stops. And you're just like, wow. But they're so good at picking it up, letting it go, picking it up, letting it go, picking it up, putting it stop on it. It's crazy. I mean, you see, like like Manny said, you see Tango, he's out there uh, getting every foul ball, and he's taunting the crowd, saying he's going to throw the ball, and then he throws it out of the stadium. It's the, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the show, man. It, it, it really is. And, 
And I'm glad you experienced it when, when I was there, Beto. I mean, you saw a completely different world of baseball that it was fun. you're just like, wow, this is cool because people come here, everyone is having fun. Yeah. Their game ends, there's two hours of banda, literally banda yeah. playing after the game. People are dancing on the concourse, drinking beer. There's no cutting people off in the seventh inning. There's none of that. It's yeah. just constant. Yeah. We're going to have fun. We're going to have tacos. We're going to have Mexican food. You're going to have your beer. You're going to have your music. I would sometimes, the game would end. I would shower so fast, and I'd go to the concourse and grab a beer and listen to music because I was like, <laughs> this is so cool. I've, ne I've never seen this, you know? And, cool. and, yep. and I'd just go and hang out and, and sit there, have a couple beers after the game. And I was like, what's the difference between me having a couple beers in the clubhouse as opposed to coming up here and listening to music, you know, and just watch, watching the vibe? You know what I liked? It's, uh, mind you, I've only saw the games in Tijuana. I, I went to a game in Mexicali. That was cool, but that was different. And then I've been to the Chaco State. I went to Guadalajara. Guadalajara. Yeah, in Guadalajara, you were down there too. That was different. Uh, but in Tijuana, because it was the regular season and the town takes so much pride in your team, I think because Tijuana gets such a bad rap for everything that they take so much pride that afterwards, when you were uh, playing, Rick, we went in the concourse and the team, the, the fans are coming up to you. Oh, did we lose Manny again? Oh, there you go. The the, no. the, 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 the the banda's playing and I look over and it's Ricky and a couple other players are having some beers and the fans are like, hey man, what's up? Cheers. Not bothering you yeah. as players. And they're just letting you have your space because I'm enjoying it, so are you. There's no way no, that like, would ever happen in the major leagues. They didn't know no. who the hell I was. <laughs> like, I, I went and had a beer with Sanabia, and Sanabia's getting mobbed. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. You know, this is cool. This is <laughs> yeah. They don't give a shit who I am or what I've done in the big league. They're not, they, they, they love, like, Sanabia was obviously big time during that time. I mean, they won a title there. They, you know, he was, he was, he was a guy there. And, and, uh, and it was just, to me, it was like, my ego wasn't hurt by any means, but I was like, damn, like they really do pay attention to their guys here. And, and, and you've heard, I always heard stories about like Barry Enright, you know, how much they love them there. Um, Miguel Olivo, like there's so many guys that have pitched in the big leagues here that went over there and they became these like crazy, like baseball heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, how are you treated down there? Like, cause you're technically an American, right? Because even had the hashtag yeah. Pocho Toros. How were you treated in the beginning? Uh, in TJ? Yeah. Mean? Or in just in general, uh, down in the league? General, like, honestly, uh, I, so I'm a pocho. Like, I was born in the States, but I, I pretty much speak, like, fluent Spanish. I, I, I've, uh, I mean, my first language is Spanish. So I came out here, and a lot of guys, like, thought I was, like, one of those, like, guys that jumped the border and, and, and grew up in the States. So they didn't really, a lot of guys didn't even know that I was born in the States. Uh, until you know they, they they started seeing that I was a Porto or whatever, but I've been treated like pretty pretty normal. Like I've been treated fairly. There is there is a you know and, and there is racism out here and there is like you know some prejudice where people don't like they don't like us coming out here because they think we're taking their jobs. Um, that is a that is a part of the culture here. Um, but I've been treated you know when you treat people with with respect, you get respect back. And, and honestly, that's what. Uh, that's what I've gotten. There has been guys that I've seen come out here, and they, they come out here with a with a closed mind, and you know all they do is uh, bash Mexico and bash the system, and those are the guys that get ran out of here pretty quick, and, and fans and, and other people really don't accept them as well. Um, no. But when you when you come out 
here with the open mind, nothing, you know, there's nothing but good things out here. Now, let me ask this for Winter League, where, like, say, organizations will send down a hot prospect that they're wanting him to get some seasoning, and he go, they go send him down to, say, Culiacan for a month. If the kid goes down there with the wrong attitude, what happens to him? Oh, dude, the veterans will just, like, veterans, and, and I'll see a veteran now, like, uh, we'll just run, run those guys out. Like, there's, there's, there's been a couple guys that come out here, and they think they're studs, and they got the million dollars, and they come out here, and they, they show play, or they, you know, they do dumb stuff, and, and those are the first guys that, hey, we're on top of it. Guys will humble yeah, and really quick. Also, if, if if an organization sends a top prospect, and just because he's a top prospect here, and he goes down there and stinks for two, three weeks, the, yeah. the, let's say, for example, the Tomateros will be like, see ya, send us somebody else. Like, we need somebody else. Like, we no. Like, we had, you, you remember? This is, not, this is not spring training where, where these guys are trying to win. This is serious stuff. They're not, they're not, they're not in to get the, the, the prospect, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 at bats. If, if he's, if yeah. he's not producing, and I've heard, I've had friends go play in Venezuela, and they said, and, and guys who in the Dominican, and they say, man, that it's cutthroat. Like if you don't produce, they cut you right away, and they get the next guy up. Come on, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. There, there's this isn't like it, like in the states, and I would even say in in, uh, in Major League Baseball, um, this is about winning, and this is about winning every day. Um, if you have a bad week, and I'm saying because we have Mondays off, right? So if you have a bad week where you lost both series, like you're pretty much like looking like whose head's gonna fly here because guys are they're serious about not losing. They don't want to lose here, especially here in Culiacan or Todos de Tijuana. Like guys are like you can win every single game, and if you lose one game, it's like all right, who, who's gonna be out here? And if guys don't hit, it's like all right, what batter are we gonna bring in? What batter are they? These guys gonna bring in? What pitcher are these guys gonna bring in? Because they don't want to lose, and that's like the difference between minor league baseball and you know Mexico. Um, out here, it's win at all costs, and, and sometimes it means throwing 120 pitches and leaving your arm out there on the mound. But you gotta <laughs> win, um, and and, uh, and that's the difference, man. Uh, it, you see, you see a lot of guys like 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 you said prospects that come out here and they get two three at bats they're not ready there's guys that come out here uh we had a the the shortstop now for the i think he plays utility for the royals signed a big contract um uh shoot i forgot his name he, he's one of the guys now a uh, little little uh little guy runs he hits uh, i forgot his name but he came out here and he he just signed like a hundred million dollar contract with the royals and out here, he came out here for like two weeks, and guys were, hey, everybody was like, even guys on the team were like, hey, let's get this guy out of here. We need to get a new one. Hundred million. Who and, was it? I wonder who it is. Uh, shoot, but, it's uh, Maryfield. Maryfield. Oh, he came out here, or to Mexico. Yeah, he came to out here in Culiacan. He came out here in Culiacan, and 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 I mean, he struggled, dude. He struggled, and I mean. He, I think he ended up getting hurt, but he—they're about to get rid of him before he got hurt because he wasn't producing. And he ended up the next year being in the big leagues, and two years after that, signing a, a huge contract. Like the guy, the guy was—he was it, dude. But he just didn't work and out. Then, out here. I mean, and then, and then, Beto, there's, there's these stories where, and Manny attests to this, like a guy like Isaac Rodriguez, who's a stud in Mexico, but he never got a chance to play in the United States. You know, Why? He, he, never. 
He he played he played uh at in university somewhere in Missouri or Mississippi or somewhere out there, but he never got a chance. He never got drafted. Went to Mexico and he's like has all these like batting title breaks every year. He's a like a staple in that total lineup. Uh, I think he plays for Mochis. And yeah, there's so many stories of these guys that that's unique and intriguing, uh, like Manny's, like Isaacs, like guys that you know have made a name for themselves out there in Mexico. It's 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 it's, it's to me, it's fascinating. It is. It, yeah. that, that's why I want to have Manny on, to, and we've talked about this because to tell the different stories and the different perspective of it. And I, I mean, I'm still learning a lot about what's going on down there and looking at it. And Ricky and I were even talking like, okay, we were going to go to the city of the Caribe. Like we were gonna go to Mazatlan, we're we're gonna go, but it's not. You can't have fans there, so we're not going. Cause you know we're we're fancy golfers now, so we're gonna go golf and then watch Ma- and then watch Manny Day down there. But like you, you, you actually you actually, you actually can have fans out here in uh, in Mazatlan. <laughs> Mazatlan's one of the crazy ones. There, there's like three, there's like three places. <laughs> there's like three places right now with, with the whole COVID thing. There's like three places that. Are wild with fans, like wild, like uh, Guasave, uh, Mazatlan, and I forgot which one, uh, which one else. But they're 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 going crazy, like they're going crazy. Yeah, I'm okay. I, I t- this is my uh, 23rd uh, COVID test. I'm okay not going anywhere around fans. I'm I'm, I'm okay. For those that don't know, uh, our bet our our boy Beto is calling the the, the the undercards the Canelo fight this weekend. It's, I think it's pretty dope. I mean, I know he doesn't like to say much about it, but Hey, I'm gonna. So what is he doing uh, for us? Like, what is he's got Canelo? He's got man, the guy's a million-dollar athlete. He's got to deal with. Look, man, I like <laughs> I like talking to the real people. You know, I like talking to the real athletes, and then uh, no, and then and then I'll come and talk to you guys. So <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah. So I'm Saturday. I am. I'm, if I do pass this damn COVID test, um, I was negative on men- Monday, but you never know how these test work uh i'll be doing the undercards of the canelo fight i'm doing two undercards play by play and then i'll be doing the ringside reporting for the canelo fight on saturdays that's why i'm here in san antonio ricky's in la uh manny's in culiacan man uh, manny you're so good man we're gonna have to do this again well, pretty and, soon yeah, i mean we're not we're not wrapping it up but i know you got stuff to do i, I was gonna say i mean he's also on track to this is how crazy the, the crazy places baseball has taken him, he has a chance to actually represent Mexico in the Olympics, too. Let's not forget about that, because Mexico qualified, oh, and he's right. one of the guys on that team, or most likely going to be on that team. So, I mean, just when you think that that, that baseball door closed uh, in on the American level, he's gone to Mexico, made a name for himself, and now he is possibly going to be an Olympian as well. I mean, that it doesn't get much better than that. You know, and That's to awesome. me, it it's awesome you know you, you he's done study del caribe who a lot of young players i don't care if you're american or not you you stay the guys that do play in those they say it's the funnest baseball they've ever played and now he's got a chance to represent mexico in the olympics i mean olympics i mean what are the odds of that you know that you're an olympian damn yeah like obviously, obviously covid sucks for everyone and and i mean it's it, it just sucked for everyone out there everybody had plans and everybody had you know you know things they they, they 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 you know they thought they were going to be able to do, and one of those things was for, for me was going to the Olympics. We uh we went to Japan last year and we played in the Premier Twelve. It started here in Mexico, then we went to Japan and uh, we beat Team USA uh, for a berth 
in the Olympics, uh, we're one of right now. I think that we're one of like six, one of uh, four teams, and I think there's only going to be six or eight teams that are going to be in the Olympics. Um, the U.S. hasn't qualified. Dominican hasn't qualified. Venezuela hasn't qualified. Canada hasn't qualified. And those guys are like the big baseball name. Um, and as Team Mexico, we beat the U.S. twice, and we beat them. Uh, the semifinal game to get into the Olympics, and, and obviously we we, uh, we we won our won our uh, our birth to the Olympics or whatever, and that was that was another crazy uh, thing. Just being able, you know, coming out here and, and and not knowing how people were gonna accept me at first as a as a Mexican American, and to being a guy who helped Mexico qualify for the Olympics, uh, that was that was another crazy thing, and and. That's why I'm so appreciative of Mexico. Like, it's done so much for me. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think it goes back to, like, the way you were brought up and your attitude about it because a lot of guys would have been in your situation because I've dealt with enough of them over the years, whether the guys I knew personally or have heard enough stories where they're 24 and they're like, man, forget this. The organization didn't care about me. They didn't do this. They, they worried about other stuff. And it was never their, their fault. It was always finger pointing. You did, and I'm pretty sure Ricky's dealt with guys like this, where let me get the right attitude and find a new opportunity and create new adventures. And yeah. when you did that, Manny, did you ever doubt yourself that maybe you were making the wrong decision? Uh, no, you know, I always I always trusted the process. Like, here's the thing. I was a, I was a starter when I signed or whatever, and I started for like two years. I guess I wasn't like a huge prospect or prospect enough where I could stay starting. So I, I became a reliever. And when I came to Mexico at first, I was a reliever. And um, and I was it was at that point in my career when I was like, dude, like I need to figure it out. Like things are not going good for me and I'm going to be out of baseball soon. So I got I actually got traded from Cuyacan, the team that I had started with, to another team. And uh, when I got traded over there, it was a smaller team. I told them, I was like, hey, I, I want to be a starter. And they, they kind of like, all right, well, we'll give you a shot. And I was like, in my mind, right then and there, I was like, all right, if they give me a shot and it doesn't work out, I'm going to retire. And I was 26 at that time, uh, or 25 at the time, I think. And I was like, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire from baseball if it doesn't work out. And it, I hadn't started in probably five years. So I was like, I'm going to, this is it. I go out there, um, good couple outings. Within two months, I threw my first no-hitter in the Mexican Winter League. First no-hitter. I ended up le leading the league in ERA and a couple other categories. And that was it. That was uh, what I knew. But my mentality, like you said, I was like, hey, I got to figure it out. Like, I, It's on me. It's nobody else's fault that things aren't working out for me. It's myself. Like, um, and, and there's times where, like, even in organized baseball, where it's like, hey, man, it's time to just reinvent yourself. Reinvent what you're doing because when you're struggling for a couple of years, or even in life where you're struggling for a couple of years, we got to do something different. Like you yeah. can't just keep getting stuck with the same things. So I gave myself that opportunity. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna try something different. If it doesn't work out, then this is it. Like I got to choose another path." And uh, luckily, you know, I, I, I stuck with it. But um, but yeah, that, that's that's how it is. It and everybody's story is different everybody everybody's circumstances are different I, if it was somebody else and i and i've seen it and i respect it too um guys that stick around in minor league baseball for years for years and years 
and finally get a get a shot. But I mean, I was getting married, you know, I, and I needed money. Like I needed to make a living. I couldn't, I couldn't make, I couldn't live with four or five thousand dollars a month, and then getting that cut by half or whatever. And and that's what I needed to do. I needed to come out here. And, you know. and honestly, Beto, I think I think the Mexican league. Uh, as far as in summer baseball is growing more and more as of late because I think guys are realizing, you know, they see the window closing here in the United States and they're like, you know what? I hear these great things about Mexico and, and, and the money they're they're throwing at guys. I'm going to go over there. And a lot of guys make that transition and then they make the big names for themselves out there. And um, and then you got your mix of veteran guys. You still got Horacio Ramirez pitching. You know, you still got Jorge Cantu playing. I mean, yeah. Or Jorge Cantu, I could say, uh, he's out there playing. Um, so it, it, these guys, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's for the love of the game, and 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 the guys that are that I feel like lose the love of the game here in the United States, they're going over there now, and they're like finding new love for the game, and yeah. it's what makes, makes that summer league so special. You know, I I never knew much about it, but when I got there, I was like, this is dope. You know, this is really cool the way that. The, the crowd embraced their teams, the, the Monterrey, the total rivalry that goes on, all that stuff. It's just, it's a different world, but it's it's definitely like when people were like, oh, like, how's the baseball out there? I'm like, dude, it's competitive as hell. It, it, it's real baseball. These guys can hit. Like, some of these guys can play in the big leagues right now. You know, there's no doubt about that. You know, they just never got their shot. I mean, organizations think differently sometimes. And, and that's just the way it goes. But I, I feel like a, a lot of guys who go out there, they're not really that bitter towards uh, Major League Baseball. It's like they're there. They're making good money. They're superstars there. And they're just like, I'm going to live this life. I mean, another guy who was a big time, uh, Chris Robertson, right? I mean, he was big time. Yeah, Is that, yeah he was yeah. big time here uh, with the Phillies, I think, I based on my rookie, uh, my first spring training camp ever. And, and he's a big name in Mexico, like huge. Like he has played for so many years. I believe he lived in Mexico. So there's all these stories of all these guys, American guys who go over there and they just become these, these, these heroes, as I've said before. Yeah, you know, like Dominic, Dominic Brown, who was an all-star, what, not too many years ago. For the Phillies. Out here in Mexico. Yeah. yeah, for the Phillies. And he's a guy out here too. Um, so the, everybody's different. Cause there's, I mean, there's a lot of money to be made outside of, you know, organized baseball or, or organizational baseball for, you know, the U.S., there's guys out here making three figures easily. Like, there's guys easily making three figures uh, playing out here. And um, come on, and one of, one of, you mean six figures? Oh, yeah, six figures. Three figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They're making $900? Hey, pesos and pesos. Yeah. <laughs> $900 too, though. Hey, there is, you- guys. Wait, so, okay, that, that's what I'm asking. I mean, how much do you guys make? It depends. It depends okay. on how, what you do out here. Because like, I'll, I'll be honest. Okay, uh, let me, let me let's, let's separate this. Regular season summer league, a guy playing in those leagues, what would you say the, the pay scale? Yeah. Average, like, say, for Toros de Tijuana, uh, okay. average, and I'm saying average is, like, 12, 13 grand a month. What do you make in the minors? You said four. Uh, no, well, yeah. you make you like it depends. If you get like a if you get a free agent contract, if, say you get 10, 15. No, but I'll say in, in, in organized baseball, organized baseball yeah. in the United States, like you get like about 
four grand. It depends, dude. It all depends. If you yeah. if you're on your first, and, and the crazy thing in, in in Mexico is at times they pay you cash too. So come on, fifteen grand Maybe cash. Brown paper bags, homie. <laughs> no, you got that, Manny? A brown paper bag? Yeah. <laughs> you of, sometimes you get a lot of five dollar bills, but <laughs> cash money. But it, it definitely is different. You also see the, the the younger guys that they that that come up through the academy, like when I was there. Yeah. In, in, um, and those guys make three figures. They're making yeah. like nine hundred dollars. And they're kind of like, like they're catching bullpens. They're they're doing the hard hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're there, and they get they have a chance. And next thing you know, I mean, you know, we see it. We saw it with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays catcher uh, Alejandro Kirk, and he oh, came yeah. up to the organization. And made it to the big leagues. You know, hopefully yeah. they're not taking more money from him. But <laughs> uh, hey, I, and I you, you guys about keep talk amongst yourself. They're calling me for COVID. All right, back. Hey, something. Ooh, shoot. Uh, something about the talent out here in Mexico is like, dude. I I, I played out here and and, and uh, the last game that I threw or the number that I threw was your last game playing baseball. Uh, if, if, if I can Lunch. remember right, like. That day, that day we didn't make the trip, and I was like, "Hey, what happened to Ricky?" And like, "Oh, Ricky hung it up." And I was like, "Are you serious? Like that was that was your last game?" Um, yeah, which oh, yeah. Was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. That's when it. That's when it really hit me. Honestly, when I was there, you, it was the clinching. Uh, we clinched against Monterrey. I looked yeah. around. It was a bullpen, and it was. And I looked around, and I was like, damn, I'm the only one that didn't pitch this series, me and Jordan Aboitis. And Aboitis was more just like a younger kid who was transitioning into pitching. So I was like, he doesn't really count, you know? And, yeah. and I was like, I'm the only one that didn't pitch. I'm out. And I literally packed my bags that day, and I walked across the border with my bags and got in a, got in an Uber to uh, that took me to my car from the border to my car and then just drove at like one your, in the morning. To your beach house. To your beach house. To my beach house. You didn't go off into the sunset, into your like, you know, your, your little shack. You went to your beach house, but let's, let's be real here. Well, first of all, which one? We don't, he's got two. We're probably a little bit less than if I hadn't worried about my last game. Oh, and then now let's talk about my, like, that nice house I have in Toronto now. Is really <laughs> oh, you got that great mansion out in Toronto. So <laughs> whenever you want to come down, let me know. <laughs> oh, wow. man. All right, uh, man, I know you got to get going. You got to go to stretch. Uh, Tomatero fans are intense. They're crazy. Juan Huera right. says, wake up the Tomateros. You guys are too good to be that far behind. Thanks for the support, Juan. <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. Jeez. Oh, he's right. He's right. We, we suck. <laughs> no, uh, no, but hey, but hold on, hold on. He has an opportunity to watch a current pitcher on the Tomateros right now. We're giving him access to it because I was supposed to put this as private, but it's actually public. And instead of saying, hey, Manny, big fan, hey, wake up. Let's go. Like, that's a Tomatero fan right there, right? They're jumping on you. Like, wake up or we'll get a whole new team here tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, there's days, honestly, like, you'll walk into the street, people recognize you, and then, but, hey, man, hey, what's up, and whatever. But if you're not doing good, and no matter how big of a guy you are, um, they'll freaking boo your ass, and, and they'll, like, clown on you, and they, they hate you. Like, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be, like, love to hate in, in one second. Like, dude, I... 
there'd be games, honestly, and there'd be games where I like, I'll ball out the whole season. If I have one bad game, those same people that love me are, they'll hate me. Like, hey, this guy sucks. Like, get him out of here. And, and they'll, they'll be yelling, like, hey, take him out already. Let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh. I can hear, you hear that. When you're, when you're not doing well, you hear the fans, though. So you, you'll hear, like, hey, yeah, suck it And I'm like, oh, shit. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. And the women are the worst ones, right? Nah. No, I'm saying. Men are crazy. Yeah. No, the, the insults for some of the women, because I know when I was in Tijuana, I heard oh, some yeah. of the insults, and I was like, like, that lady right there? Now, that guy, yeah. look at that. Now, this is what we were talking about earlier, about, about attacking the crowd in Mexicali. That is our good friend Alex Nabia. Um, that's what happens, because the dugouts are so close to... There's a better one than that? The dugouts are so close to the oh. fans. Have you seen any crazy brawls like that? Besides um, that one? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen some crazy ones. I've seen, like, uh, fans get, like, really close to the dugout where they'll, like, almost try to spit at players. Obviously, it's never happened. But they're, um, uh, yeah, I've seen some crazy ones. I've gotten death threats here in Culiacan, like, from fans, like, coming up to the, the dugout and then obviously security here is not as tight so they'll get up on that dugout and they'll look down and they'll be like I'm gonna freaking kill you and like you'll be like oh shit like maybe this guy will kill me because you don't know who you're dealing with out here sometimes but uh <laughs> but then yeah but then you like you do your recon you do your recon and, and you realize like oh this guy's nothing this guy this guy won't hurt me um but yeah there there there's some crazy stuff out here dude we had we had we actually had a guy who made it to the big leagues last year, um, two years ago. Come out here, and on Twitter they told him, "Hey, if this guy's not off this team, we're gonna kill him." And it was a, a crazy fan, but you just gotta take some of those things serious because you don't know who you're dealing with. And the guy's like, "I," and he the guy posted up pictures on his personal account. The guy posted up pictures of him with like a gun, whatever. I'm gonna kill this guy, and it was McBride, McBroom, Ryan McBroom. He's now with the with the Royals. And yeah. he, he he's like, I'm out. And we told him, like, dude, don't worry. We'll talk to somebody, see if it's true. And he's like, no, I'm out. And the Yankees, like, pulled him out of here. Uh, he's like, hey, dude, he never, he never showed his face again. And, I mean, I, I, I don't blame him. If you don't know how yeah. the situation works out here, you, you, you got you to gotta take precautions. But um, just talking, I mean, obviously as a baseball player, and, and there's a lot of fans out here who uh, – who, you know, are in different types of businesses, um, and they, they they support you as well. So um, you have you have those type of contacts, and you're like, hey, dude, this is going on, and they're like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it, or don't worry about it. This is nothing, you know. And, and that's that's how uh, that's how it works out here. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, but 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 but. Not once was I ever scared to be out there or do it. Like, you take your precautions. No, yeah. At the, at, you know, there's times where, you know, when you're in the hotel, they say, hey, don't leave the hotel. Or there's stuff that's going on outside. Just be careful. And boom. I was like, I'm listening to all of it. Yeah. But I'm also going to be scared or, or play scared or, or be scared about a fan saying, like, it's not it, – it, let's, let's not paint the picture yeah, that it's, it's like – A lot of it's a lot worse on TV, um, and, and Ricky, you know how it is. Northern Mexico is a little bit more dangerous. It, it is, it, you know, TJ is even a little more dangerous. 
Well, you go down down south in Mexico, Yucatan, um, uh, Cancun, Ricky, um, you know, Oaxaca. Oaxaca, and beautiful places, man. Beautiful places where honestly, there, there's just not. You don't feel in danger ever, and you're not. Um, you just got obviously like anywhere else you go. You go to a different country. You got to take your precautions, and you got to be you got to be safe out there. But um, there's nothing. There's nothing to fear out here in Mexico. You just got to be smart. Yeah, don't uh, don't start none. Won't be none, Manny. This is the last thing I yeah. got for you. I'm gonna show you a picture. Uh, about that man right there. Oh, dude, that's my dad. You can't tell. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's my dad. There. Oh, now, that was, that is he was, is he still catching? My dad, nah, he, he he busted up his knee, but uh, he was catching me actually like up until two years ago. He was still catching my hands. <laughs> he was catching my hands, and, and and I felt bad for Pops because he would just you know do one of these sometimes. But uh, my dad, man, he he freaking he's the guy who who pretty much made me play baseball. And there was times where I hated him, um, but yeah, that's, that's my dad. He he freaking and, and you know what's crazy about this picture is that. Um, I think that was like one of the first times he had seen me play uh, uh, play baseball, play professionally, and uh, it was crazy that it was in one, in a championship. Um, so it was it was a great moment to uh, to be able to share with my parents. My parents never made it to a to a professional games. I, I played ten years in minor league baseball in the states, and they were never able to make it to a game. Uh, obviously, I, I live in Arizona, and I played out in the East Coast. Uh, because of the Yankees and, and every organization that I had pretty much had teams in the East Coast. And my parents were never able to make it. Um, so that, that, was, that was a cool experience. My parents have been able to make it a few Mexico, Mexico League games, and, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, because your dad, I guess, was a, a stud in Sunday Leagues, and he was still catching up until a couple years ago when I read. Yeah, my dad, and my that, dad was, a, was a Sunday League catcher, and, and uh, he, he, would catch, he would catch these guys at 385, and he swore, like, hey, these guys are better than you. So. <laughs> And then, but now uh, to go and represent and do so much in your parents' uh, native country, what's that been like for you? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I have I actually have family here in Culiacan. My my mom's family's from here, um, so they they claim they're from a small town out here. So uh, they claim me out here, and, and it's awesome. Um, for me, it's like you said, being out here in Mexico and putting a Mexican uniform on. It's representing my my parents. My dad always. And I'll say this because, because um, my dad, he's like the number one Mexican fan. He would he would uh, take me to Naranjeros de Hermosillo games, and those were the first like moments that I that I recall like seeing professional baseball players. My my first like my first thing wasn't like oh I'm gonna go see the Dodgers, I'm gonna go see the Diamondbacks. It was coming out here and seeing Mexican league teams, and so I was so familiarized familiarized with with the league that um that it was just all normal to me um but it was because of my dad and obviously once you get a little older you see like american baseball but uh i was always i was always taught mexican baseball and and about their culture too so crazy oh, that's cool how, how old are you now man i'm 32 man uh too old to uh 30. to be back in <laughs> yeah 32 so at 32 what would manny tell his 18-year-old self. Oof. That's a good one, huh? That's how we finish it up. That's good. That's a good one, dude. Uh, I would say just be more patient. Um, be more patient because I was really impatient as a uh, as a 19-year-old. Uh, and I'll 
I came home one time as a as a 19 year old uh, prospect. I came home instead of uh, showing up to a to a live VP that I had scheduled with the Yankees. Um, I came home. I was sick of of being in extended spring training. I'm sure you had a couple of those, Ricky. Um, extended spring training, and I was like, I'm out of here. And I was 19 years old. Like, well, what the heck was I thinking? Like, that's where I was supposed to be, you know. And, and just if I would had more patience, and, and even up until I was like 23, I was still really impatient. I wanted things to happen like right away, and uh, that's not how things work, you know. You, you just gotta you gotta pay your dues. You gotta you gotta give yourself time to mature. And, and I, I think patience is uh, be more patient. Mm. That's a good one. That's, I feel like we get that a lot from from the guys, just being yeah. more patient. And, I, and it's pretty natural, I think, at that age to to be like you want everything to happen so quick at nineteen. And you're, you're you're probably thinking like I don't belong at this level. I can pitch at the high A level. I can pitch at the double A level. And, and and instead of just taking it taking it all in and saying okay, this is where I belong. This is where I got to prove myself. Everything else is gonna take care for itself. And yeah, fortunately. You obviously, it's taking you the the Mexico direction, and it's it's worked out for you perfectly fine. You're you're doing your thing out there, and, and it, for me, it's fun when you know when I get to see sometimes that, that the stuff that you post and and stuff like that to, to see your success. You know that that that's always a good thing, and there's a, that's the reason why I wanted to have you on this podcast was like you know this this is a good dude, you know, and he, his story is pretty probably the most unique out of everyone we've ever oh, yeah. had. And, and, um, and, you know, just the route that you've taken. So, you know, thanks again for, for, for doing this for us. Thank you guys, man. I know we always, we always talk crap to each other back and forth, but it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of respect. Um, obviously, Beto, with what you're doing and what you've done and, and what you've accomplished and Ricky, what you've done, man. And, 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 you know, now that you have this big mansion in Toronto, maybe you'll have us out there one day. Um, maybe, maybe we can, like, maybe from your, like, from your like balcony, we can like oversee Drake's house, so that'd be pretty cool. Well, Drake is at the bo- Drake's at the bottom of the hill, so yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's he's behind the gate, man. Get it right, uh, yeah. but yeah, no, but man, we, good luck to you. Uh, stay safe in Culiacan, um, and we, a lot of support for the fans to come in here. Uh, like everybody, yeah, tell him, Manny. Tell him, Manny. There you go, Tomateros. All this other stuff. So good for you, Manny. Good luck to you. Uh, finish up the season strong. We'll see you in Tijuana hopefully soon. Take care of the wife hey, and the hey. kid. All that other stuff, dude. You talked for an hour and a half, believe it or not. Dude, I, I talk a lot. Uh, what can I say? Like, and I'm a loud mouth, and I never shut my mouth. <laughs> no, but that's good though. That's that's good for that's good for a podcast though. That's good for a podcast. I never known that. I would hey. never thought we were gonna be like hey, we talk for an hour. No, and, I would have never known that. And we didn't even scratch the surface of when A-Rod and uh, Curtis Granderson and they went into the Trenton Thunder uh, uniform, right? They, they were your teammates? Uh, dude, we I've had some pretty cool teammates. Like uh, Roger Clemens one time. I was like a rookie and I went into the freaking cold tub. Or I was in the cold tub and he wanted to get in and I was just like, do I get oh, out? Well. Like joined me right in there. And I was like, oh, it's true. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a problem. That was great. That was great. Yeah, no, the, you, the, the correct thing was for you to get your ass out of that tub and leave Roger Clemens alone. Dude, I, 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 I said it. Like, I asked him, I was like, all right, so, uh, uh, he's like, can I use it? And I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be out of here. And he's like, no, no, he you know, was like, He was probably being sarcastic, saying like, hey, can I use it? Like, he was probably, he meant get the F out. Get the yeah. F out. 
Hey rookie. Yeah. But, hey, it's okay. But, when you when you're done, can I use it? Yeah. But he talked to me. Hey, he talked to me for like 15 minutes that I had that I was in there. He he, he was cool. He was really cool. But yeah, he probably one of the reasons why I got released like six months. <laughs> Like, yeah, you're out of here, dude. Yeah, you're the one that was hogging the tub. Yeah, you're out. Yeah, he made sure to point. Manny Breda, go and follow him on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, Manny Breda. Manny Day is coming up. I swear to you, use the hashtag Manny Day and you'll see it. Hey, can we get a t shirt? What? I do. I don't have one with me. Uh, they're, they're, I think they're in the clubhouse, but I got a couple shirts. I'll you, send you guys out there. You really have Manny Day t shirts? Yeah, they, they made a couple shirts for me. What, what can I say? Hey, it's I'm a big deal out here, Beto, man. Hey, send a couple shirts. We need one for Ricky's mansion in Toronto, and we need one for his house in Malibu, and one for his house in Newport, okay? So make sure you all send right, All right. I need something, some, kind of, some kind of material to dust off my house, so my TV. <laughs> your, new, your new mini van. Your new mini van's about to have my logo on air. <laughs> Manny Day, Manny Barreto. All right, guys. I right, appreciate it, Manny. Go stretch. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, bye.